to do something that I've done for others is to help make podcasting easier. Creating things is a scary thing, but if you have the means to be able to do it in a way that makes sense to you, but it's easier because you can get swallowed up in the tech and the and the BS nonsense of how to sound and all that. It's everyone has a voice. They just need some help on getting it there. And it's really an extension of what I do for a living on mitigating personal obstacles with people. Podcast Junkies episode 172. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, for listening week in and week out, entertaining conversations with podcasters from across the podosphere. Last, last year, not last year, last week was no exception. We had Rick Mulready, the host of The Art of Paid Traffic. Rick and I connected at Social Media Marketing World, and it was nice to uh, have someone that I actually had run into when I started the idea for Podcast Junkies at uh, New Media Expo in, in 2014. And I, he, we end up talking about the fact that he was there, but we didn't connect. And here it is four years later. And it just goes to show you there's so many guests that I want to have on the show. And it's just a matter of time before I track them all down for you. Uh, this week, we have another great guest, Nick Goblersch. He's the host of The Independent Dependent. And he's one of the, um, the, the holdovers from, if that's the right word, <laughs> from MapCon. Um, you'll remember that I went through a series of interviews with people I met at MapCon, Joe Pardo's great event in Philly last year. And uh, Nick was one of those, and he was uh, on the list for some time. So we talk about the advice that I gave Nick at the conference and how he's actually put that to use, what inspired him to start podcasting. He talks about the rules that he makes for his podcast and why he does it and how his show has grown since all the way since episode one. Um, we talk about how the podcast has changed him and his ongoing uh, and evolving relationships with other podcasters. As always, full show notes are put together with uh, love and TLC, and they're available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 172. This episode is brought to you by the Case Study Implementation Program. You've heard me mention this a couple of times now, but we're working with a group of folks to help them launch their podcast. And so if you're serious about uh, launching your authority building podcast, and this is essentially for people that are, are running a profitable business already. So if, if that's you and you have time to work on your show starting next week, then um, let me know. Uh, it's better if you have an email list you're working with as well, because we like uh, to know that people are starting to collect emails and using that to build up their communication with their prospects. And so at least a couple of hundred folks on your email list is usually a good start. And all you need to do is be friendly and coachable and you can keep a secret. So if you're interested, just send me an email, harry at podcastjunkies.com and the, put the words case study in the subject line and I'll be in touch. But for now, stay tuned for my fantastic interview with Nick and stay tuned to the end of the episode where I share this week's retention hashtag. So Nick Goblish, host of the Dependent Independent Podcast, thanks so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Thank you for having me, Harry. This is your first interaction with Squadcast. What do you think so far? I think it's pretty sweet. I like it. This is pretty cool. How many different uh, tools have you used in the past? I've used conferencing apps. I've used uh, Zoom. I was using Zoom for a while. I thought that was really great. I used Google Cast, but Skype seems to be the one that I really prefer the, the quality of the connection. I did FaceTime once. Once I did FaceTime, that didn't work. You tried to use that for an actual podcast episode of FaceTime? My sister didn't have a laptop, so she only had a phone, and I made it easier for her. She lives up in Maine, so my wife and I had her jump on the show but use her phone. She dropped in and out. It was pretty, uh, it was a lot of editing. <laughs> uh, was it just uh, cutouts? 
Yeah, that's all we did. I figured I time stamped everything and just pulled those. I think we screamed a couple of times like, oh my God, come on. Why can't you figure this out, Apple? And then we just edited those out. So my audience had no idea. Yeah, of course. That's the sign of a good edit. Heck yeah. How long has the show been running? I always say I recorded probably, I thought about recording my first episode in November of 2014. Recorded the show probably early January 2015 and posted on the 21st of January. Yeah. That was a, that was a cool day. And the, getting the nerve to do it was scary. I mean, I used the name Nick G because I don't know why, Harry, I thought I had to keep, I'm a career driven person. I'm successful at my job. And I was afraid because I really wanted to start a show that I could share how I was feeling and communicate in a way I don't usually communicate at work. And I had to go by the moniker Nick G for a long time. And then I, I don't know when I just decided, you know what, forget it. That's just, I don't know what I'm trying to do. I'm not a spy. I don't know why I'm trying to do that. Alter ego. <laughs> yeah, I was, was stupid. So we met at MapCon. Um, yes, we did. And that was a lot of fun. It's, I, I've talked a lot about that conference, the intimacy of it. I think there's maybe 100, 150 people there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's something special about having a single track conference where you can engage with people for essentially the whole day because you're, it's, you're, you're in the one room, then you have lunch together, and then you have a, you know, you're a break together, and you have drinks together. And it's, and it's all like a good way to get to know people on an intimate level like um, over the course of a day and a half. Well, I remember I saw you, then I saw you with your sh- your podcast junkie shirt on, and yeah. we congregated in the back with a- Amanda Daughtry from the Great Beard Venture, and yeah. then you said she was on your show, and then I decided to listen to it, and then we had a moment, and I've talked about it before on my show, Harry, where the first time I went to MapCon, that was an enormous, I did a whole show on talking about it, a whole, mm-hmm. it was such an eye-opener for me, because me being an HR professional, I've been to hundreds of networking events. I know what I do. I've been doing my job for almost 20 years now. But being so new to the podcasting realm, my world was very, very small. Mm-hmm. And when I went to that first MapCon, I was blown away, one, by, wow, you can make money from this? You can actually make money from this? There's people in this room that make six figures yeah. doing this? What? And I was a compl- it was absolutely overwhelming. So I only met just a few people. The second time I went, I went with friends. So I met with Annette Bone. Annette Bone, I met the first time. We were a dancing family. My, I was, I've been on a show before to talk about dancing. My daughter competitively dances, and I start my dance and dad practices next week. And we talk all the time. So I introduced myself to her. So she became my de facto best friend. I picked her up from the airport, and we went to last year's conference, and we both spoke. But you're right. The, the, the fact that it was intimate, and it's local too. It's, I don't have to hop on a plane to get there. It's only about 45 minutes away from where I live. The one thing I don't do is I don't stay overnight at the hotel, mm-hmm. which I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to stay overnight this year. You know, when you talk about intimacy, a lot of it has to do with my show of, uh, I took a Myers-Briggs test a long time ago, Harry. And yeah. what was I? ENTJ. And the first one is extrovert. Now I'm a talkative and outspoken person, not confrontational or controversial. I'm just like to communicate with people. That's think that's how you connect with people, but I have to make intimate connections with people. And I remember, and the reason why I'm, is when I was there is then when I started meeting you and other people, I decided, man, I have all these resources in the room. So I'd have my laptop. And during the, the, the talks, I remember the feedback you gave me because at first I thought maybe I'm, I know what I'm supposed to do. And then you started dropping this feedback on me through Facebook messenger and we're going back and forth. And, oh, yeah. you know, I'm thinking, ah, I've been producing my show for like a year and a half and man, I have the most clever, clever titles and they're so awesome. And, you know, they're like mini Picasso paintings. And yeah. you asked me, why the hell would anyone find that? Yeah. And then who's looking for that? You gave me uh, some feedback and I went back and forth. And 
And at first, I'll be honest, my ego was hurt a little bit because I thought, I thought, man, I, I'm, I'm a, I know what I'm doing. This is crazy. I'm a pro. You know, I went the first year. I didn't know anybody. Now I'm two years in. I'm like a veteran. I spoke, whatever. You were honest and you gave me real feedback. And it happened really. I mean, it was great. It was that, that 15, 20 minutes went back and forth was invaluable. I just started changing the titles. You know, one thing I, I, I don't listen to my shows back. It's a, it's a 200 episode episodic podcast that I'll, my goal is to listen to all of it sequentially when I'm done. But I don't usually jump in and listen to the full episodes. So some of them are titled, to be honest. They don't, they just have a number and a mini-sode title. And now I have to go back and listen to them again, break my own rule. So there's some, I've almost changed them, Harry, almost mm-hmm. all of them, but I got to go back and actually fix them. But your feedback is, uh, is extremely. And then when I had uh, just a question, I love following your uh, full cast page. And it's great that you ask these questions and in real time I could throw and get immediate feedback. I mean, the logo yeah. I have on my show right now, you were, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just needed, I was stuck. I was, I was, I didn't know what to do and I just needed to, and that's one thing that's amazing. And what we do is, and you've talked about it on your show is you have this community of relationships you build of trust mm-hmm. and commonality that you can just reach out and say, Hey, I'm really stuck. Don't quite know what I need to do. What do you think? And because everyone trusts each other and believes in what each other, each of us do, they're immediately going to provide feedback and I've provided feedback to others, but taking it is great. I want to thank you, Harry, for the stuff you've, you've I mean, really. When I go back and write my book, it's going to be a whole chapter on Harry. Harry got me out of my rut. For the benefit of the listener, what was the specific feedback that was beneficial for you with regards to uh, your show titles? I talk a lot in my shows and of we pick a topic to have a conversation with because the show's about making connections. But literally, it's just the topics were worthy of just simply putting in the title rather than having a, a title where... She doesn't shop here, let's say, which is, let's say, a really clever title about maybe an experience in a mall, for mm-hmm. instance. You know, a, a better title could have been, you know, headaches of retail or why retail sucks or whatever yeah. that pe- more people are going to look for online that are going to pop up. And I swear it's, it's honest to God truth. Honest to God truth. It worked. I wasn't as literal, even putting the names of folks yeah. that I was, I had a lot, 200 episode podcast. I've connected with a lot of podcasters that have been on my show. I didn't realize, hell, throw their title in your, in your mm-hmm. title, you know, yeah. their website. Yeah. And it's, it's common sense, but one of the things in doing a podcasting is if you look at it myopically and you don't open your eyes to other things, you really get kind of pigeonholed into doing something a certain way that really puts you in a box. Designing those titles that are how people talk versus how I talk yeah. about a show definitely helped out. That was killer, killer. <laughs> but no, you know what it is, Harry, you know what I, what I like about you, Harry, is no one, other people knew that and saw that. You know, those people say, oh, great job. It's really great. But to have someone that's really brutally honest, because I remember we were, we were in, the, in the hotel and I was walking with Amanda and I was just about to leave on that second day and you were sitting next to her and, and I said, thank you for the feedback. And she said, uh, and I, I mentioned to her what you did and, and Amanda's like, why don't you leave him alone? And you looked at me and you said, well, doesn't he want people to listen? Like, wasn't, isn't that the idea? And I, I went, yeah, like, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was awesome. It was an eye opener. I mean, it, just that small moment really opened my eyes to say, I need to ask for more feedback mm-hmm. because I'm, if I don't, and that's, has a lot to do with what I'm doing now and reinventing my show and, and what I'm doing on Facebook, just because I got bored to the point of complacency and I just needed to ask someone what's wrong with what I'm doing. I don't yeah. like what I'm doing. Tell me if it's just me or overly critical. Because until someone tells you that something needs to be different, you get stagnant in your own head that, no, it's got to be this way. I got to stay consistent. I got to do this. And 
I think with any creative outlet, there's got to be some level of evolution. I used Picasso before. His first painting is not like his last one. Yeah, exactly. And 200 episodes, I don't want the first episode to sound like the last one. What were you looking to accomplish when you decided to start your show? Because you, you've mentioned it on yours that you actually found this community after you started your show. I'm, I'm wondering what inspiration was and what your objectives were when you started. I had had two kids. My wife and I moved to a small community in South Jersey where my wife's been teaching now for 18 years. And one thing I didn't have before I came here was a sense of community. I didn't, the township that we lived before we lived here, I lived there seven years, didn't make one new friend. Mm. I think the whole goal in my, or the rules I made in my head was, well, when the kids are 18 and you're done parenting, that's when you can go out and make new friends. And the, in the work that I did at work, I made rules at work that because I was the HR, the head human resources person, I'm sure there's tons of stigmas for the HR guy that it's not easy for us to make friends at work. We have to be unbiased. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't making friends at work. I wasn't making friends at home, but I was spending a lot of time with one individual who I talk frequently on my show, a friend named uh, Duarte, who started his own sports conditioning business. He and I both worked at the same company. He branched off. He needed a videographer and I started building his YouTube uh, content and his instructional videos from my background, even though I'm a, I'm a professional career person. I graduated with an uh, art degree, mm. fine arts and design. Okay. And my minor was in radio and video. So I had a knack for the, all the, the electronics. So as I started building all my equipment, I was a podcast listener for such a long time. Those people that joined me when I went to and from work, I started listening to video game podcasts because inter I'm interested in that, mm -hmm. movies, anything like that. And I started getting to know these people. And then it's amazing because then you could tweet them and, yeah. you know, suddenly connect with people. Back in the day, Harry, when you and I were kids, you didn't talk to anybody who had any type of fame at all. It was impossible. Maybe yeah. you send a letter to a fan club yeah. and someone else sends it to you. But I found myself in a really dark, I don't want to use the word dark place, but almost settling for, you know what, being lonely is okay. Let me just help my friend out and we'll catch up. So he always told me, Nick, we always have such interesting conversations before we start working. And I had mentioned, I thought, you know, I can do that. I'm the type of person, Harry, that says, you know what, I can do that. I can teach myself how to do that. So I, I bought an idiot's guide to podcasting book, read the whole thing cover to cover, mm -hmm. taught myself all of it. I knew I could talk in a microphone because I'd done it before. I knew I could present because I did it at work, but I didn't know what I wanted to talk about. So it went from, I was going to do a chronological memoir, uh, Harry. I bought like Barnes and Noble. I bought this write your own memoir. And I thought, <laughs> man, if my friend thinks my story's great, I would love to just do it. So I thought I'd get through like four or five pages of show. And yeah. the first episode, I just pre-recorded it and I hated it because I thought, who wants to hear this? My name is this and yeah. my parents are this. That's so lame. There's no story behind it. There's no narrative, no experience behind it. Nothing you can connect with. And I wasn't that, my head wasn't that big, Harry, that I thought, oh, people are going to tune in and they're going to mm -hmm. love this. They're going to tune in till episode 25 when I actually tell a story. We decided to buy a microphone. I recorded it on a USB mic that cost me 60 bucks. I put it in the middle of my friend's office right before in his sports studio. Tons of echo, tons of echo. Uh, recorded it live on a voiceover feature on Final Cut because I didn't have Audacity or any type mm. of editing software because I was using it to edit all our videos. And we recorded our first episode. Took about 30 minutes. I, I was so stringent. You know, it's like pick two or three topics, only do it for 30 minutes. I cut him off just to get to the next part. And then when we hit play after we were done, Harry, I just heard a lot of tapping. Just, I don't know what it was. So I thought, well, that didn't work. And I'm kind of a perfectionist. Can we do it again? So we basically did the same podcast the second time. So we have this lost episode zero that disappeared. And, yeah. and then as I started um, 
putting it out, it was, it was something I could look forward to. So every two weeks I would meet with my friend and, and we would do this and we'd pick random topics and then I'd get better and the microphones got a little bit more expensive and I liked the tech and I, you know, I'd go out and buy this mic or try this software. And, and I started just, you know, figuring out what's an easier way to do it. What's a faster way to do it. And then at the same time, I'm helping him with his business and getting smarter and learning about social media and just picking it up, but asking a lot of questions. And then I started getting connected with people in the community. Now, remember my wife had taught here for so long, no one knew who I was. Yeah. So then people on my Facebook page, see me out and send me a response. Hey, listen to your show, Nate or Nick, then, then I'd say, why don't you come on my show? So some mm-hmm. of my earlier shows are people in my community and they're great. The format of the show has changed and, and, but they're still part of this community that I've built this, this, where they wear t-shirts that I got for live events or, and then I, in my, in my town, I did a, uh, that I mentioned the day that I launched my podcast was January 21st, mm-hmm. two years to the day we did a whole marketing campaign hashtag. So I connected with a local brewery in town and I had a, 50th is my 50th episode in two years to the day recording the show. And I did this event, we catered it. I mean, it was so cool. And and the most people this brewery had ever had in and mm. I stopped and I, you know, I didn't really, I couldn't fathom it until afterwards. And I thought, man, I created this whole thing. And, and now I'm to a point now I can walk around my town and they go, the dependent independent when they see me and, and people tune in and they ask me, you know, about the show, the coffee shop has flyers still up. So your, your question is, why did, what was the, the, I mean, honestly, it was just to make friends. I, mm. it was just a way for me to get, I was approaching my forties and I was yeah. like, what's happening to my body and everything. I'm just getting old and, and life's changing. And, and the most amazing thing I can tell you, Harry, this is the gift that this has given me to allow people in at both work in here has allowed me to laugh more, mm. unfortunately, because I get connected. It's allowed me to cry more. It's yeah. allowed me to um, show my kids something that, you know, this went from, I'm recording, you've seen me in where I used to record my show. Now I have a full studio downstairs. I do yeah. a live Facebook show from my wife started podcasting. Now she has a show <laughs> and the, the kids have been on the show and my son's been on the show and it's, it's this thing. And, and, and I get to leave behind, but it's forced me to do something different than I would have done if I did nothing. Hands down. I, I, it's more than this. It's way more than a podcast that it pops up on iTunes and, but man, it's fun. I'll tell you, this is just fun. Now I got to look up Squadcast and figure this out and all this stuff. It's, it's, it's so much fun. So much fun. There's always something to learn. There's always a new toy to try. As long as at the heart of it, your, what purpose you want your show to serve. This idea of legacy has been prevalent in some past episodes. There's um, a couple of folks I've had on who were traditionally podcasts. I do the two guys in the basement podcast. And I'm just like, ah, oh, that's not my style. And I would get them on and, uh, They'd, they'd be like, no, this is our way for us to stay in touch, you know, because we, we live in different cities now. And now we started the podcast and shout out to Sean. We reconnected on, on Facebook recently. But I think it's interesting, this idea of legacy as well, because especially with the older generation and uh, there's, you know, now it's we take it for granted that all our stuff is captured somewhere on, <laughs> on a podcast or on YouTube or on Snapchat or on Instagram. But there's a just a, a generation whose voices are not being heard. You would hear this one off, like when someone had a terminal illness, they'd record something for their child because they weren't going to be around. And so, but I think it's interesting because especially with services like archive.org, which does a fantastic job of like supposedly keeping audio in perpetuity, you know, so that's why I recommend all podcasters set up an archive.org account. So even if you lose your hosting, your old episodes will always be there. And that's a nice way. And so it's interesting that you've had that same experience. Um, I'm, I'm curious what 
where the self-imposed rules come from. Uh, I've heard it, you've said it already a couple of times here, like the rules I made up in my head and the rules I made for work. And this idea that you are, I've said that you're going to have 200 episodes of your podcast. One's a rule. And the other one's a goal. I think the rules were set up to protect me. It's funny, you, you know. When you know when you you say you you say out loud, I've created these rules, and then you say when someone asks me, this is what my answer is going to be. There's a level of discipline. I I like predictability in life. That uh, rules make it. And Jesus Christ, I'm a HR professional. I write policy for a living. You know that of creating rules. And I think when rules are followed, the right things happen. Not that I don't break the rules, but I'm definitely not the person who's, you know, woo, you know, free, completely going off the reservation. That's just not what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even on my podcast, I still talk about meaningful things, but I don't talk about anything controversial at all, ever. As much as there's so many other podcasts out there that can do that. I think I mentioned Trump and politics like once, mm-hmm. but everyone else is, uh, and to me, everyone else is talking about it. I'd rather talk about something different, but the yeah. rules come from just, I would love to go back three years from now or three, go back three years I think before I even recorded my first show and talked to me. Because I think I've grown exponentially to say, why am I doing that? Like, why am I, what benefit does that have if by creating that rule to say, well, I guess maybe it's to say, you know what, if I don't make friends, I think it was my fourth, fourth episode that I had some college friends that invited me. I was in a fraternity in college, Harry, and they invited us to go visit them in Philadelphia. And I knew this is me back then. I was the guy who, you know, when you meet up with people, you got to kind of catch up and figure where's everybody been and then you end the night saying you know you don't see these people even though they're they're you don't make the time but they're right around the corner and they say yeah we should get together more and you go yeah we should get together more and yeah. then you never get together and and I thought and I and I said to my wife when it was the day of that we were getting together and I hadn't seen some of these guys some of these guys are my roommates in college and I said to my wife you know what maybe we should just cancel hmm. because you know it's going to go we're going to pretend that we want to get together and and mind you these guys asked me to spend time with them yeah so I walked upstairs, went in my closet and to get a pair of shoes. And I remember just stopping for a moment and going, what an asshole. Why, why would I, who would want to be friends with me? That's when I really started shifting a bit. And then I even did my, my fourth episode was my fourth show. My only, my first episode by myself mm-hmm. without my friend. And I went on this thing. Don't, you know, I think it was, uh, no one likes an asshole. And it was, it was just me talking and it was cathartic. You know, it was 40 minutes of me saying, you know what? I just had this moment of self-discovery that I want to share and mm. I don't want to go back. Mm. So every time as I grow through this process, I hit these milestones and these rules just go away. And then I become someone different. It forces me to do that in a very interesting way. And, and because it's all about conversations, that's what conversations are all about, Harry. I remember when we talked, you made an imprint on me, man. You might not think so. We might not talk all the time. I follow you on your Facebook lives, but you made an imprint on me because no one in that room did what you did. And you took an opportunity. You didn't have to. You could have said, yeah, great. And ironically, someone else asked me something about doing video that I paid. I talked to that individual and I offered feedback and we stayed connected after that. But it was a gift what you gave me and, and it never would have happened. And then it got me thinking differently. And, and I think that's the power of conversation. You, you share with each other. You grow from what you, you, you share. You have to relinquish something in a conversation. You have to share something with someone that you might not be comfortable doing. You might have a rule that I don't talk about that, but then yeah. you go, ah, screw it. You know, I'm just going to talk about it. These self-imposed rules. And I think what we forget is that it's our show, that we can do whatever we want. That took me a hundred episodes, there are hundred shows for someone to say, I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And they said, aren't, isn't this your show? And I went, ah, screw it. I won't do it. Yeah. And it's, it's that it's this, uh, I don't know. I mean, I run my show like it's a business, Harry. And it's regimented, and, but that's because that's how I do my day job. That's yeah. just, that's the discipline I have. 
And when I say 200 episodes, that's one episode every other week. That's 52 episodes a year, give or take a repost. So I know I'm done when my daughter graduates high school. So, you know, I, I get that piece of it. But what an accomplishment. Maybe it's just a personal thing to know that, you know what, I look back and I did that. I said I was going to do it. So to your point about the rules and then the 200 episodes is that is a goal. I think it's a achievable goal. It also allows me to chase something. I never wanted to have a podcast, Harry, that just kind of came and went. Yeah. You know those shows, right? Yeah. You listen to it, you're like, man, that's the bet. There was this show I used to listen to called Movie Court. Okay. Three guys, one was the judge and two of the guys were the plaintiff and the defendant and they talked about a movie, but they used like court talk. It was so funny. And then they did a post on Instagram or Twitter and said, you know what? We have big plans, something new this season. And then poof, it disappeared. Oh. And I was so mad. It was so good. Because it was something I couldn't get anywhere else. Being creating something that's also sustainable. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, one rule is that if I'm talking about my life experiences I'm living, which again, remember, this forces me to live my life, to get out of this bubble I've created. Mm -hmm. It allows me to experience things. And at least every other week, I'm going to have enough experiences to share with somebody. Plus, I have interesting stories, and my life's been a crazy whirlwind of things. So, one other thing that you said that caught my attention was the fact that you are plan on listening to your shows after the 200 are done. Yeah, I like to remember things how I remember things. There's some value in um, seeing how you're doing as a podcaster and looking for ways to improve. And it'd be a shame to figure out something that you could have fixed sooner rather than later if you just audited your episodes on an ongoing basis, which is what I recommend to you know my clients and to a lot of podcast listeners. Well, that's what you're for, Harry. That's what you got to do. You got to listen to my stuff and tell me what I'm doing wrong. No, I agree with you. I, I, let's just say I'd listen. It's not that I completely boycott hitting, hitting play. But I don't sit and listen to the, you know, the 45 minutes of me having a conversation with somebody. It's, uh, I may do it now. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some shows technically that might go off the rails that I have to, whether I have a, a co-host that has a, a filler that they either like an equivalent of, um, mm -hmm. that they'll do, I mean, over and over and over again, yeah. uh, that I have to go in and look at it. But I, I mean, I don't know about you, but do you, I just, I've never done that with my own work. Being an artist, I guess, even in school, I, I was never dazzled by my own work. You know, I, it was something I did and then I moved on. It's the journey. It's what it's creating it. I mean, there's so many times when I created something in school, a painting, a sculpture and got bored with it and then just moved on to something else. It was just, I was, I guess it's just this constant drive for perfection. But if the drive is perfection. I know, I know what you're going to tell me. I know what you're going to tell me. Come on. I get it, Harry. I get it. You're giving me the feedback I give. I get it. My show isn't perfect, Harry. Because you just said yourself, like, I don't know if I want to listen to it for 45 minutes. So if you're not willing to listen to it, how can you expect? But I lived it, but it's in my head already. Like, that's the thing. Am I wrong? I don't find entertainment by listening to myself. But the question is, can you entertain are you bored by yourself talking for 45 minutes? No, I can tell you this though. That, and, and again, it's not that, no, it's definitely not that I'm like, ugh. I, one thing that's funny is when you've, I've been doing it so long, I have, now, I have listened to shows two years ago. Hmm. There are, and I'll be honest, there are some times, you know, when you start your podcast, you're like, man, I wasn't, I was still really learning the craft. I didn't right. really quite know what I was doing, but I've listened to some of my earlier shows, Harry, and I go, damn damn, I, I think I was pretty good back then. Like, what was I thinking? Like, I stayed to the point. I was succinct. My affect and my voice was good. I was breathing. I was listening to my co-host. And man, I stopped at exactly where I needed to. Now, they're not all winners, but, you know, that's that's one thing. I can say that. So to your point, yes. Have I purposefully audited my shows? No. Have I listened to some podcasts in the past? Mm -hmm. Especially some of the ones with my wife that are a lot of fun. Yeah. But they're pretty good. And then you look at, like, 
when I said I only had this USB microphone, now I have the mic you're using right now. I got two of them in my studio because they look great on camera, great on camera. But I remember having this one USB mic that, I mean, the show sounded good. It just needed to get a little bit better. But I'm again, I cannot deny Harry Duran's feedback. So now what I'm going to do is definitely pick a few. And I tried, you know, when I sent you my shows, I was like, make sure they're the ones that Harry is going to be wowed. I agree with you. You're absolutely right. Everything you say, Harry, is right. (laughs) Everything you say is right. I wish that was the case in my life. Let's talk a little bit about the format. You do something interesting where you've got, I guess, for lack of a better term, ambient room noise in the beginning of your episode. Oh, yeah. So, so, and it's funny because, uh, I mean, we all know Dave Jackson, the art of podcasting and podcast rodeo. I met him at the podcast rodeo is one of my favorite podcasts he does. Uh, I'd met him at the conference two days after and uh, I hadn't introduced myself to him. So I walked up to him and I said, hi, Dave Jackson, my name's Nick. And he says, yeah, I really enjoyed your presentation, but you didn't, you didn't mention your show at all. And I said, well, I only had eight minutes. I didn't really want to eat any time talking about my show. Yeah. So I told him what it was. I sent him my show and he provided me feedback, but very immediate feedback and said, I don't get it. You know, 24 seconds in and it doesn't sound like you were, you were, you knew the microphone was, microphones were on. Now, one thing I've always been impressed with is what people share when they know they're not being recorded. Now, everyone knows when uh, the way I start my show is I hit record just to warm up the co-host. But sometimes there's enormous gems in that in that right before I do the intro to my show. Really want to get them comfortable, what we're going to talk about. Uh, And sometimes I ask random questions just to get them to talk because not everybody's really comfortable on the microphone. But what I really like is anything I've been amazed with behind the scenes stuff, Harry. Like how things happen when no one's paying attention. That's really what culture is, right? How things happen when no one's looking. Yeah. Without the filters and without everything. Like I, I really wanted, I wanted to get a, I wanted to give my audience a taste of that. Maybe learn something a little bit about me and the co-host before the show actually starts. Now, when I first started the show, those, I call them bumpers. They are seven, eight minutes long. Like Dave was right. It was pretty long. So what I did was I took the feedback and now my bumper is only about a minute. Mm-hmm. So I could take a 20 minute chunk of time and edit it down to one minute where I can even interchange what people are saying. Yeah. And what's great too, is especially if they say something that's related to the show, again, learning the craft of being able to do that, but it's such a part of what I do on my bumper. Uh, I think even my 50th episode, I took all the previous 49 episodes, Harry, and put all the bumpers together. So I think my episode, my mini sewed 49 and a half is mm-hmm. all the bumpers, you know, 45, 50 minutes of just people talking, belching you know, getting ready, moving their chairs, because I think that's, because my show is about true authenticity, about who I am and who people are, that I want someone to go away, not so much being slightly entertained about an interesting conversation and connecting with what we're talking about, but taking something away from us. You know, they know a little bit more about me, which in turn, I think the more you learn about others, the more you learn about yourself. Yeah. And that's, uh, being that vulnerable moment in the beginning is something that, uh, is very special to me. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to drop it. It's going to be what uh, it sounds like you could take that audio, that 45 minute audio and make it a, a meditation app. <laughs> oh, I mean, it'd be it's so weird too, because that, I, that background I, coffee, like coffee shop noise. And that's actually like one of the filters on one of these meditation apps. It's like coffee shop. You hear like a slight hustle and bustle in the background, but not enough to hear voices. So or, you know, microphone coming away from the microphone coming back and, and, you know, hold on, let me check my audio. It's uh, and I've done that. And again, the interesting thing, Harry, it's all on purpose. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. I definitely know what I'm doing. You know, you know, being a podcaster, you want to be a, a colorful host, but you're also producing at the same time. You're doing double work. So you become very cognizant on how I'm saying things, how I'm putting things together. Where'd you get that idea? I grew up watching behind the scenes stuff all the time. You know what really does? This is, this is a weird thing. 
you know how Star Wars, you have Star Wars out there. Yeah. You know, everybody knows Star Wars, right? But back when we were kids on ABC, they put out a three part series called The Story Behind the Saga. And it was a detailed behind the scenes before YouTube, before any of this, on how they made start where Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed at what happens when you pull away, when the fourth wall is there, when you pull away the curtain and show yeah. everybody what's in there. I think it's just amazing to me that of, of what, how I felt from that. And I've, I've always been, I'm getting my son into like, Nate, let's listen to the commentary. Let's listen to the creative. Remember I mentioned before about, I'm so interested more in the creative process more than the end. Yeah. That's where the machine moves. That's where all the interesting things happen. The mistakes happen. And, and I just started doing it and I thought that would just be fun. And then there was an artistic creative aspect to it of how can I, how can I actually say something meaningful in the shortest amount of time and, and then use my editing superpowers to move conversations around. Yeah. Someone says something at the first minute and the last 12th minute and I put it together and it sounds completely different. And, and then shock sometimes I uh, had my co-hosts, you know, I didn't know you were recording. What do you mean? I didn't know I was recording. <laughs> you kidding me? You saw me press the record button. I told you we were on. So that's why that I think deep down as a kid, of understanding what happens behind all the professional stuff. You know, it's these newscasters are, you know, up there and they're all, all the makeup and they're like, Hey, and they have these, you know, campy voices. It's, it's amazing. They're real people. I just like to hear the real people versus, yeah. you know, all that facade stuff. What episode are you up to right now? I'm going to publish episode 83 tomorrow. How would you rate yourself where you started and where you are now? And, and do you feel like you're on the path and you're doing what you set out to accomplish? Well, if I set out, set out to accomplish making true connections with people, I have a social network of people. I even started my own group of co-hosts that now these people communicate that never would have known each other if mm-hmm. I hadn't had them on the show. And those people have been on their shows. And I mean, this, these aren't podcasters. These are regular people that have been invited to other podcasts that listen to my show. I mean, I'm a, absolutely a different person since I did episode one. There's been a lot of success, tragedy, and failure since then and milestones, but there are stories behind the stories. That's why I'm anxious to listen to the show's back, Harry, because then I can think what was actually happening. Mm -hmm. But I would rate, I would say I've become a better, better at the craft. I've now started a Facebook live to do something that I've done for others is to help make podcasting easier. Creating things is a scary thing, but if you have the means to be able to do it in a way that makes sense to you, but it's easier because you can get swallowed up in the tech and the, and the BS nonsense of of how to sound and all that. It's everyone has a voice. They just need some help on getting it there. And it's really an extension of what I do for a living on mitigating personal obstacles with, with people. But to your point of, of rating myself, I'm a much better podcaster now. I have a lot more to learn. I think repetition breeds confidence. Mm-hmm. I think starting this Facebook Live uh, program, my soon-to-be consulting service, my services, uh, I've done a lot of stuff for free, Harry, for four years. I was hoping karma, but now I, I feel I'm provide that value and I'm smart enough to do it and I have the, the experience to do it that I can look back on episode one and say to myself, you're going to be great after three and a half years. And I can't wait to say, I'm going to be tired after another three and a half years, yeah. but I'll still be able to look back and say, you committed to this. You said 200 episodes and a couple episodes in between, and you started a Facebook live program. You have uh, the side hustle that's profitable and you're making an impact on people. And it's just an extension of who you are and and people see that, you know, Harry, the guy you saw at the conference is the guy that's on my sh- that's on my show, and mm-hmm. that's the guy that I'd see you at the next conference, and that I'd see you at, if I saw you at podcast movement. And I'm me. I'm I don't pretend to be anybody else but myself because it's hard to be somebody else. Oh yeah, I'm successful because I didn't sell out. 
Like that's the other thing I'm very proud of too. There's been a lot of times where I think, man, to get more listeners, I can do this. Or in order to get more downloads, I can do that. And in order to uh, let me change the whole format of my show, let me put two segments in, let me do all this. And I'm thinking, well, exactly what you said, I'm the boss. And if I decide I don't want to do it anymore, I'm not going to do it anymore. And if I want to have my wife on, talk about her show and do, and that's great that she does that with me. Although she doesn't, I tease her, Harry. She, she's the only podcast that records sometimes and promotes it whenever they get a chance. So it's, it's the opposite of mine. What's her show? Uh, It's called the UBU podcast with Meg and Liv. It's my wife, Meg and her friend Liv. They're both moms. Saturday afternoon, they'll four o'clock in the afternoon, they'll open up a bottle of wine and pick a mom topic, whether it be mom dating when moms are meeting each other at the park stroller clubs and or or the time when all their friends leave them when they decide to have kids but they're 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 very good my wife is an amazing podcaster she is so good she, harry she's she can get her her show down in 36 minutes every time it's amazing it's so she's so good at it that's her first show yeah it's her first show she's well she's done a few she had a little bit of experience with me especially at the live shows but she's being a teacher she's used to speaking in front of people getting you know speaking within a certain amount of time mm-hmm. so definitely had more experience jumping in her show than I had doing mine I mean I don't know she had to keep the attention of kids me yeah. I had to have to keep the attention of adults but I rate myself uh, good a little bit above good has anyone noticed anything different about you as a result of having started the podcast well see that's the thing I was if it's who I am I've probably been too humble to an extent. I suffer from your co-host said it the other day, and I've realized that I, I listen to a podcast called the Unpopular Culture Podcast. This gentleman named Michael Drain, who was a fan of my show before he started his show, was mm. a therapist, and he talked about the imposter syndrome. Yeah, and I didn't realize it, but as soon as he said it, I was like, "Oh my god!" I've always said these things in my own head, and now this, but uh, I don't do enough to celebrate my own successes or don't realize when I succeed. Mm. So what my while my listeners would notice, one, I've got more technically sound in my production. Oh, and also what I've done is I've evolved. A lot of my topics now, I guess, as I'm getting older, are more spiritual. Mm. You know, some of my first episodes, connecting with a friend, talking about, remember those, because it's real nostalgic. We yeah. talk about what's happened in the past and what we could do moving forward. And we do an episode on, let's listen to old 80s TV show themes on YouTube. And you tell me if you can tell me what shows they are. And we could talk about that for 40 minutes. Yeah. And then I do a show where I, I have a week where I'm surrounded by anger, people that are angry. So I decide to talk about, well, what anger means to me? What, why, why does it take so many things from people? This is the experience I got. Or, or you know, my latest show uh, tomorrow, uh, that post tomorrow, we recorded it last night on what are some things that you never want to forget, things that you remember that you never want to forget, or things that, uh, or what, what did I say, you're afraid of forgetting, mm. and things that you remember that you absolutely want to forget. And it went to this whole yeah, of weird thing that 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 was great. But again, it was all about sharing experiences. And I I I can't believe I went deep. I can't believe I shared stuff. I my wife didn't even know the stuff I I shared. I something just clicked. Yeah. But every time when I start that, the consistency of it, and Dance, again, I'm sorry, I'm going off on several tangents, is they've noticed I'm the same person. The the one thing that's amazing is I have people that have actually grown with me. I I have fans that even within my town that I might not even talk to hmm. when I in, in in the town, yeah. But they follow me on the show, post things on my page, make comments about things that they relate to in my shows, and that means so much because that's what the show is about. It's about did I say something that maybe moved the needle in your life, and and it did. And well, let's see what else I can experience that I can share with you. I don't think they want me to. Ch- I, I think they want me to change. 
through this process. They're going to they're going to see that because that's just the natural course of everything. I'm no no one's pulling me aside, Harry, and going, "Oh my God, no, no." I listened to your first show. Holy cow, you sound bah! No, so that's little stuff sometimes, and and I wonder. It's interesting because as you as you keep doing this, and you you know, we always strive to get better. But if we don't have the feedback on it, you know, sometimes we feel like we're speaking to a vacuum. So the fact that you're able to get even the littlest feedback, I mean, every little tweet that I get, every little email, every little comment, I mean, I, I make it a point to respond to every single person. I never want to feel like, oh, I'm too big to respond because you just never know. Like, I mean, I, I always say I treat my guests like gold and, and I've talked about this and I've given talks about this, but it's just like the guests and the listeners, I treat them both, you know, like there's a special place in my heart for people that have just have said, oh, I've been listening to your show for like, X-. I mean, I didn't even know. Sometimes they, you know, they've been listening for a year and a half and they just, they just happen to find something that resonates with them and they say it at that moment. So it's just like, wow, because we, you know, we, we do this in a bubble and, you know, sometimes it's so insular and we're in our own room or studio or wherever we're, we're recording. And uh, we just wonder if anyone actually wants to listen to what we have to say. Yeah. You finish a show to your point. I mean, that imposter syndrome, it's terrible, but I'll record a show and suddenly you know, when as soon as I hit stop, is that all right? Yeah. It hey, was that okay. And then, but then there's sometimes Harry where I finish a show and I go, oh my god, yeah, I can win an Emmy for that show. <laughs> that that thing that made so much sense to me. You know, I was able again to put my producer hat, my co, my host hat on, back and forth, back and forth, and it, I found a way. It was succinct. It's exactly where I wanted it to be. Plus, I think the best shows are the ones that you don't think you're recording. I'm actually just doing this, and it's fun. How would you describe your show to not? It's hard enough when we have to describe a podcast to someone who doesn't listen to podcasts, because that's just like, okay, first of all, this is a podcast. But for for people who are listening to this, who are well-versed in the podcast world, you know, it's interesting to then position a show to someone who knows what the medium is, but then it's like, okay, who who is your show for? And as podcasters, you know, this is something we're always challenging folks, and I'm talking to clients about as well and new podcasters, like who is your show for and who is your ideal listener and, and who, you know, are you making it for and who's it, who do you have in mind when you're recording? And that's a good question because I talked to a few people a few years back, you know, you want everyone to listen to it. And then you go on lips and you're like, wow, someone downloaded my show 20 times in China. Woo. That's awesome. But I think I'm comfortable to say that my show is really for Gen Xers, the forgotten generation that are now experiencing things in their lives, the most amount of change. They're raising kids. They're, they're taking care of uh, parents that are boomers with, with health issues. And it's difficult to do all the things that you felt you could do when you were invincible, when you were in your 20s and mm-hmm. 30s, like making friends, yeah. getting back into social networks, um, exercising, all these things uh, makes you feel more alive to remember the things that you did. Because we were at a time before technology, before the next generation is not going to talk about any of that stuff where they played outside. And I was talking to someone about that last week. Kids don't play outside in the street anymore. It's that nostalgia that we are trying to hold on to. We get excited to go on, you know, eBay and find all these old toys or Amazon that you have, you know, all these, I was a gamer, all these guys, I ended up buying all these game systems that I, my friend, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I had to go to other kids' houses to play their systems. So end up going, oh, how can I get an Intellivision and the ColecoVision and the, and all, you know, and a, a TurboGrafx-16 that my friend had for four months. And then he got rid of it. Yeah. Can't buy that at GameStop anymore. So I answer this in a way, Harry, that, you know, you can't get out of your own head. I've asked people, what did they like about my show? Mm-hmm. I did one whole show about, you know, who are you? Mm-hmm. What do you stand for? And I even played it. I asked my best friend randomly. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. What do I stand for? Like, you know, you want to make an impact in this world. What do I stand for? And the response I got back was I tailor towards topics that pull from Generation Xers a, a level of nostalgia that forces us to remember these 
moments in time that we grew, experienced, or how our parents treated us, anything that we can either pass on to our kids or can maybe rethink it because we're approaching our midlife. What do we want to do for the next 40 years? I don't want to be the same person when I'm 80. I want to be a different person. Just like I could tell you now, I'm a different person when I hit record in January of 15 than I am now. Even on this show with you, I never could have had this conversation with you of that vulnerability of expressing yourself. And, you know, we, you know, we're adults now and, you know, we're not supposed to think certain ways and remember the whole rules thing and, you know, go to work and do all this crap. And, and you're allowed to be happy. You're allowed to be unhappy. You're allowed to share with people and, and, and expose parts of yourself that you don't, that make you feel vulnerable. I think it's, it's cathartic every time I turn the microphone on. My co-hosts feel it's great when they feel different when it's done. And, and they don't think like, to your point, it, when we were talking, it, they don't feel like they were just on a podcast. They were just on a, a friendly conversation that other people just listened in. It's interesting because it's, it's this theme of uh, a lot of the talks that I've been giving lately on finding your voice. And I usually start off one of the earlier first slides is uh, this idea that I, I believe that everyone has a unique voice that needs to be heard by your intended audience. And then my point is I don't want people to wait 20 plus years like I did because <laughs> I was like, what's funny about having a, like a niche show like this is you're scratching your own itch. Um, you're having conversations that are meaningful to you. And so you're going to bring into these episodes like the passion on the topic, your quirkiness, you know, your, your, your own style of how you want to format the show. And this is like you, this is like your unique footprint and that you're leaving here for people to either decide that they vibe with or they don't vibe with. And the people that do vibe with it, that becomes like your tribe, right? And they, and they resonate with you. All you have to do is really think about what relationships would I not have had if I didn't start the podcast? I'm telling you, Harry, it's, it's, I, I spent a long time pushing people away. I've had a lot of tragedy in my past and I, it got real easy to, if I push people away, I won't get hurt and I'm comfortable with that. And I learned from these, my wife making me fully aware and saying some things I didn't want to hear that this show has forced me to welcome people in. Mm. Now, mind you, with anything, you have relationships throughout this three and a half years, Harry, that they started, yeah. right? Two or three months connecting with somebody and then it just fizzled away. But there's some lifelong, I have lifelong friends here. And the irony is a lot of the podcasters that I am friends with, I stopped listening to their show, man. I, I don't want to, because I just talked to them. I, I'd rather just talk to them. And and I think I said, I can't remember who I said that to. And they were shocked that I, I seemed slightly insulted because they said, you know what? I'm listening to your show all the time. And I thought, don't take this the wrong way, but I stopped listening to yours because I'd rather just hang out with you, talk to you. And with everything from uh, this new app I, I use on my, my phone, I, I'm part of a mastermind using Marco Polo. Are you familiar with that app? Um, well, you got to check it out. Marco Polo is a, a video messaging app, but it's more of a way where I follow you, Harry. I go on my phone. It records me. I say, yo, Harry, I got a quick question about this and this and this. It immediately goes to your queue. Then you can respond to me and I can respond to you and it keeps a record. It's a great way of getting information and having that face-to-face -face contact, which we lose because we do messenger all That's the time. It's like Voxer. So you just I leave a recording and then you listen to it and then you reply back to the recording. So it seems like it's Voxer with video. Yeah. I mean, I love looking at people and, and you can share things. I mean, I, if I was, I mean, as much as even if I was at the hardware store with my wife, honey, I'm buying this lumber. What do you think? And we just go back and forth uh, and it's high res. It, you know, it looks good. It's, it's, you can send it over LTE network. It, it doesn't really bog down your network and all pixelated or anything, but it's a great way to stay connected with some of these podcasters I've connected with. And again, I consider them all friends. I love them. It was a very hard thing to say. I don't use that word uh, regularly because it's a very, you know, there's not a lot of things sacred in this world, but to me, I don't use that word unless I absolutely mean it. And, but when I love people, I show them, you know, I, I share with them. I, I want to know how I can help them and connect with them. And, 
And like you said, it's this niche podcast. It's hard. You know, you tell somebody, they ask you, well, it's a personal journal. Mm. It's really what it is. And it's not a podcast about, we talk about, you know, I love Clay, Clay Groves at the Fish Nerds podcast. He was on my show last, last uh, uh, episode 82. And I'm like, man, dude, you got like, I got to do some stuff where people send me free lures and, and everything. And it's awesome. And I almost envy him, not because my show is either uh, more successful or less successful than his, but that he's passionate about that niche. And I, I've been told that my show's not like any other show. And to be honest with you, one of the things I'm going to talk about tonight about content on my Facebook Live is differentiating. Yeah. You know, as an artist, I don't want to be like anyone else. I, I would rather have one listener that listens to me because I'm an individual rather than having to say, well, you know, you know, these podcasts, well, we're four guys. We talk about pop culture and, oh, I'm thinking, oh, but what, hence why that guy, the movie court, how mad I was when they went off the air. Cause I'm thinking you were a movie podcast, but you were so different. You were so different and special and you made such an impact. I think people, as they, people will get bored yeah. and I don't want to, I want to sustain my content. I want to keep it to episode 200 going to force me to evolve. I, that's the trick in creating, I think, content is you want people, like you said at the conference, you want people to listen. Yes, I do, but I want to keep them engaged the whole time. Mm-hmm. Somebody engaged yeah. the whole time. People will come off, people will come on, but it's interesting. It'd be more, it's going to be a lot more fun to say, are you a podcaster? No, but I'm actually retired, but I did a 200 episode podcast. I'm writing a book now, but I did a 200 episode podcast that I'd love for you to check out. You want to learn about what the last nine years of my life was? Start here and end here. Yeah. What's uh, something you've changed your mind about recently? I've changed my mind that this is more on, on my, my work is you can try really hard to change things at the top, go as, as high as you can be mm-hmm. and, yeah. and try to make the most miracle impact that everyone at the top believes in you and then starts filtering down or, or creating a more complex message. But I realized uh, recently that sometimes you can make a way better difference of keeping it super simple and hitting some tactical, just grab one thing that's tactical. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how evident success can look like if you just grab one thing and, and break it down to its minuscule piece because you can move the needle just a little bit rather than trying to, you know, I'd rather steer a pontoon boat really fast or a jet ski. Yeah. People see that. That's a big wave than trying to turn a giant, giant cruise ship, even though that's a pretty big deal. It definitely in the short term doesn't give you the success that people get inspired by. You got to wait too long. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so you can see the the benefits of your actions in a shorter time period. But I'm a big thinker and I'm a right brain, left brain kind of guy. It's You get obsessed with the big stuff that sometimes you just need somebody. And luckily, I have a, a mentor of mine that just kind of pulled me aside and said, man, why don't you focus on the small stuff? <laughs> and, it, and it worked out. It's a weight off your shoulders too, Harry. You're like, whoo, thank you. God. You just need someone else to tell you. What's uh, the most misunderstood thing about you? That I'm as confident people think I am. People think that, I mean, I do a, a lot of performing and I'm on stage and communal things and I'm sometimes a life of the party. I have an insecurity again that are people going to think I'm like, am I a sham? Mm. You know, is this, am I here because I'm good at what I do or am I just lucky? Yeah. And it's something I wrestle with. I talk more about it out loud. Great advice that podcast I mentioned earlier, Unpopular Culture, uh, Michael Drain basically said, this is a great exercise when you're, when the imposter syndrome comes out, pretend you're your own best friend. And then what kind of feedback would you say to yourself? And we talked about that a lot here is you give feedback and I know it's up here and I start doing that exercise and I just get a a calm to myself because then I go, yeah, you're right. And then you're suddenly, it's personal affirmation in a moment. I think the more and more I do that, the more and more I'll get better. But there's turmoil inside that I don't think people see. They go, Nick's a fun guy. He's authentic. He's fun to be around. He's so sincere. There's not a bad bone in his body. And yet sometimes I'm, I overthink 
you know, what are other people thinking? It consumes me, but I've gotten better at allowing that to consume me for too long of a period of time. I think, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, no one knows what's going on in all of our minds. And I think we just do the best at trying to let parts of it out in in a way that can be helpful for other people, especially Mm -hmm. when we start to be vulnerable about challenges we've had, uh, because then we realize that we're not alone and other people have gone or are going through the same things we're going through. So I think to the extent that we can talk about them in a way that, and at a time when we're most comfortable revealing that other layer of ourselves, I think we'll find that it's going to resonate with a listener at the right place at the right time. You may not even know about it. They may not even tell you. But it happened. And, and this a concept of like your best friend is spiritual perspective. I, I like this idea of connecting to my higher self as well, you know, because sometimes I just need to go somewhere else. I know I have the answer, but there's some other stuff getting in the way of me here trying to figure it out. So it's kind of like you ask for help. Sometimes you just have to ask for help out loud and you just be surprised where it comes from. <laughs> well, I do it with you, Harry. Honest to God, when you did that, when you gave me that feedback, I thought like I felt really terrible. Like I did. I felt terrible. I'm thinking, why am I so dumb? I did this. And he's saying something that's so obvious, but I kept firing questions at you and firing questions at you. To, like, Nick, get out of your head. Yeah. I, remember, I mean, I remember where you were sitting. I remember where I was sitting. And I'm like, I got to be around this guy. He's doing something that's making me think differently. And even though I hate it, I, I got to. And it's not you. It's it's the idea of shit, man. I thought I was this pro. I've been doing yeah. this. I should know this. I've done tons of research and all this stuff. And, and all I need to do is just ask. And, and then ever since then, it's been like, hey, take a look at my website and tell me what you hate about it. The trick is though, you, because people know who I am and, Mm -hmm. and they're overly complimentary. And that's where I say, so then I'm like, wait, maybe you're not the right person to talk. Let me surround myself with someone. And that's why Dave Jackson was so valuable. And, and his podcast rodeo show is amazing of letting people know first impressions. Amazing how I've changed my show just by him. I can routinely hear what, you know, what he's doing because, because you can record a show. Anyone can be a podcaster. Anyone can. It's amazing how it's the one medium that anyone can do yet to be good and to continue to be better like anything you need to ask questions feedback study you know listen to yourself pay attention understand that you don't know all the answers uh, open your eyes to things go to conferences make yourself uncomfortable constantly find someone like Harry Duran and say Harry hey man you have any feedback and then you know for 20 minutes sit at a conference oh my god I'm like oh and you what you said wasn't it's interesting how the intent, the weight of what you said was not the weight of what, obviously what I felt, but the moment when you ask something on your uh, thought leaders Facebook page, I'm like, oh, I got to ask, like, what do I think? I mean, that is really, of all the groups I'm on, I really, a lot of it just is fluff and people promote their own stuff and follow this, do this. You ask a lot of questions that are more of the the business sense of what I'm thinking yeah. of, you know, and you allow, it's great. It allows me to think, you know, a little bit more maturely about what I'm doing. And the feedback is great from the folks there. It's it's awesome. I love it. It's it's continue to do that. I'm I'm diving every time you do it. Yeah, for the benefit of the listener, it's a podcasting for thought leaders. It's a it's a Facebook group I created for business owners who are looking to grow and, and develop a podcast. And it's different than like the hobbyists. And that's why I wanted to have that emphasis on thought leaders and just have those types of conversations about what can I do differently when I think about my podcast as a as a way to get more people to know about what I do and and what my business does. And I I, I like the little community we've, we've built there and you start to see some of the regular names and uh, it was making a point to carve out time every morning to get in there and, and answer some of those questions and help people out as much as I can. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Well, thanks for uh, reaching out. Thanks for um, prompting this interview. Um, you never know where these are going to go and I felt very uh, contemplative and very thoughtful. Well, see, now I got to have you on my show, Harry, because I want to know what you're all about. Figure it out. 
How long are your episodes? It depends. Uh, they may last between 45 uh, minutes to an hour, depending on uh, where we're going. Well, it depends on the questions, because the urge I have to resist as a podcaster is when I go on other shows is to like take over and start asking questions. So I just bite my tongue and I'm just like, please come on my show and take it over. No, I don't want to do that. No, because it's your show. No, but it's not. But it's not. It's about you. That's why I don't call my people that are on my show. I don't call them guests. They're simply co-hosts. It's their podcast. They're, you take it and you you share it. It's it's just as much as yours. We'll let go of the reins a little bit and see what happens. All right. It's got to be the right time. Well, so where's the best place for folks to track you down and hear the show? They can find my show everywhere. They can find your show, basically. Uh, it's on iTunes, Stitcher, and every other podcast app on the on iOS or Android. We have a Facebook page. It's amazing. Dependentindependent.com is my website. This is interesting, you know, definitely going through a metamorphosis. First, it was really about promoting the show. Now it's really about promoting these services I want to provide. So it gives people that are intrigued to learn a little bit more how, how about how to make their podcasting easier or they want to start a podcast, how to make it easier. Yeah. I can get their name, email address, and what they're looking for. And again, they can stream the show and watch our YouTube videos. We produce, I've produced uh, videos and they've got progressively better. It's amazing. It's a great example of how when you keep doing something over and over again, you get better and it becomes easier. We have a YouTube page at the Dependent Independent Podcast, YouTube page, Facebook. Uh, and we also have just started the Dependent Independent Productions, which is my my page where I end up posting the live streams I do every Wednesday, which in about an hour, I'll be starting that. Okay. Uh, talking about content that'll be uh, on the on my personal page until I can get as many people on my production page. So that way, that's one source for people that want to learn a, a little bit more about about podcasting. It's easier again, making podcasting easier. But it's it's fun. I'm trying something new, and but you can, man. You know what's really cool? If three and a half, three years ago, Harry, if you Googled the Dependent Independent Podcast, nothing. All you got to do is keep communicating with people. Yeah. If you do the Dependent Independent Podcast now, the first three pages of Google. Are all about me. It happened. It's not like I sat in and strategically used search engine optimization. It was like this and this. It's just you do enough of something, people will notice and it becomes yeah. easier. I had someone reach out to me on Facebook, on the Facebook page. And I said, I'm always curious, like, how'd you hear about yeah, me? Yeah. Like, how do I know you? And he said, well, someone mentioned your podcast movement. And I said, well, I've never been to a podcast movement. So cool. So, you know, cool. someone was talking yeah. to me at a, at a conference I've never been to. So it opens up your eyes, but that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It's diligence, 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 and not losing your eye or uh, taking your eye off the prize. It's been an honor to, to get to know a little bit better and to, to be your friend and looking forward to continuing our, our friendship and our relationship. And I'm glad we got this opportunity to share your story with my audience. Thanks, Harry. This is awesome. This was great. What a warm up, man. I'm pumped for my show. That's awesome. A fantastic day. Thank you very much, Harry. Thanks so much to Nick for coming on the show. Always nice to take a conversation that started at a conference and a relationship that was built and turn that into a follow-up interview here on Podcast Junkies. As you know, I do these face-to-face and I just learned so much more about the person and it just reaffirms my selection in, or my choice in having them come on uh, to the show because I, I know that if I connected with them at that level at a conference almost every single time. I can't, I can't, not even one comes to mind. So I was going to say 99 times out of 100, but I think maybe 100 times out of 100, it turns into a very meaningful and interesting conversation. And I'm hoping you're enjoying them as much as I am. Again, full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 172. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out his fantastic music selection at cedarsoil.com. I bet he never thought when he created this little jingle for me <laughs> over four years ago because of a mastering class we took together uh, that it would have um, uh, the legs that it has and, and be a, such a focal part of my podcast. It's so I'm, I'm so grateful because I know that um, as we do shows for clients, 
I mean, we're always challenged to find music that's interesting, and it's it's very special to have someone that actually composes music specifically for the show, and it's become such a branding element for the show as well. So uh, look for me. I'll be at Podcast Movement at the uh, end of July, actually 23rd um, through the 26th with some follow-up events, and that's going to be in Philadelphia. Make sure you look for me. I'll have the yellow Podcast Junkies t-shirt on. Tune in next week for our conversation with Barney Waters. Barney is the host of CEOs Wear Sneakers, and he also has another job title, and he's the vice president um, at K-Swiss. And we met at a Gary Vaynerchuk event. We uh, happened to be sitting next to each other, um, and we're actually working together now on the the, the revamp of the show. And I I really loved what he was doing, and, and the idea of toning in on a specific type of entrepreneur uh, with the podcast that they've started. So I was happy to have him uh, uh, agree to come on the show and we have a really good conversation. So that's going to be next week. Don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter, podcastjunkies.com forward slash eight tools to receive uh, the PDF of the eight tools I've used to launch Podcast Junkies and to be signed up for our weekly email newsletter to be notified when episodes are available. If you made it this far, you want the retention hashtag. It is dependent Nick. And his Twitter handle is similar. It's dependent underscore Nick. So that's D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T-N-I-C-K. That's the hashtag. And then just put an underscore there between the two words. And that's his Twitter handle. Tag him, tag me, and everyone will be the better for it. Thanks again for all you do to support the show. Uh, extremely, extremely honored that you do that week in and week out. And I uh, look forward to hearing from you if I haven't heard from you already. I know a couple of people have reached out. And I'll be reading off some of the uh, newest uh, iTunes reviews that I've reviewed. Sorry, Apple Podcast reviews <laughs> that I've uh, that I've re- that I've reviewed, and I'll be reading those next week. So get those in there, and I'd love to, to give you a shout out on the show. Have a great day. <laughs>